0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we are stoned, immaculate. Indeed, we are. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of Jarbo, one time member of the Swans, but now a very prolific solo artist who's just got another um, album that's been released this year called Illusory. And um, yes, so this is the interview. And after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to the interesting subject that was the new album. And um, I was curious to know when she had written and recorded it and uh, whether this was all in 2019. I know, fascinating stuff. Anyway, Jabo, it's over to you. Tell us more about when the album was recorded.
1: Yes.
2: Um, I mean, some of the source material that I've used on it uh, was recorded on the tour in Europe that I did with Father Murphy, the Italian duo. And, and it was an incredible tour, and so it was very well planned, and so I had time to record source material in cathedrals and streets. And so I used a lot of those uh, sounds that I recorded on the tour in in, uh, in in the album, and and the whole album was planned around a, a tour that we were going to start last April, and I was very excited about this tour because it was um, in art venues and old churches and places that um, you know I I have wanted to to perform, and so we were all thrilled. And then of course the the you know the the. The, the pandemic hit, and so that canceled the the tour, and so we're we're in a postponement. Pardon me, we're in a postponement phase now, and the tour would not be with Father Murphy. It would have been with um, uh, P. Emerson Williams, who's a guitar player. Yes, and, absolutely. pardon me, and um, and it was a multimedia show. We had a full film that was going to play as the backdrop. And I was uh, going to be playing organ uh, live um, and for the first time since the last Swans tour. I've only been doing vocals since uh, since the end of, of performing in Swans live, so it was uh, going to be you know a really new experience for me to go back to singing and to playing the, the keyboards. And, um, so we're hoping, to, you know, when it's humanly possible, <laughs> when that day is going to come, you know, I imagine that would be when there's a vaccine, um, you know, then we're going to go out and, and we're going to do this. But a, a lot of musicians, you know, are in this position where they, you know, worked really hard on, on, on a tour on the show. And then this came along and, and knocked us all back. So I'm, I'm not the only one. I'm one of thousands of, Musicians that were, you know, unable to to uh, to work after this virus. So, yes. But the album was recorded, um, you know, source material, and then I assembled it all myself um, because I, um, I, when I do my own albums now, um, solo albums, I like to work completely by myself. And then, if I work with someone else and that's a different project, and so when it's so i i I kind of i I'm very obsessive with manipulating every little thing that exactly the way I want it to be because I'm going for kind of a psychological um effect and the and and I like keeping things such that a person could play it all the way through, and so I think that it's best to keep it at a certain length instead of just exhausting somebody with you know long 20-minute pieces of music that's that's other people do that but i prefer to keep it where you're dealing with a a, expanse of time where you're you're going to feel things playing the entire thing in one sitting and that's kind of the, the whole point of that of that of illusory is and but i mean it's not the new album it's the last album that's out there but the new one is is sitting here You know, in my studio, (laughs) done, and I'm getting ready to to get that one out there. And that's it's basically a follow-up. If you hear them back to back, you'll see how they they reflect upon each other.
1: Yes.
2: And so I'm again doing um, on a couple of the pieces. I'm doing what I did in in Illusory, which is um, uh, I'm working with emoting. So it's uh, syllables and vowels. And, and I'm just emoting, and so it's not a formal language. It's not an actual language. So I'm sure you notice that. so so I've, some people have asked me, well, is that what language is that? Well, it's not a language. it's it's me emoting without using, you know actual words. Yes. so i'm doing I'm doing that again, and um on this one, in addition to um, uh, to answering uh, the song. Illusory. I, I have a, a another song that's in that same vein, so that it's kind of, uh, I guess you would say, rather romantic and almost like a, a like like a neo ballad kind of thing. And the, so there's a, another one of those pieces on, on on the new the new songs that I've that I've done. And and so that one is uh, Fate Trance. And so these two things are, are are meant to kind of respond to each other. But the one thing about Illusory was it's it's the the whole uh the premise is uh, exemplified on that artwork by Jen Soura of Paris and and the artwork um you know that is the oracle that is the 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 the, the oracle who who has you know uh, she she's uh receiving visions And so, um, I think that, you know, this, this, this whole idea of what is real and what is illusion, you know, and so, so, so that was the whole, whole, whole inspiration for this, for illusory. Because that, uh, uh, Pythia... Uh, you know, was the was the oracle, and she, um, and of course they had one. They had different ones, different oracles that would have these visions and then tell the leaders, you know, what to do. And so, so this was the, so when I, when I had done um, the cut of the warrior, the the album before Illusory, um, I, I think it was Italian Italian uh, press had said um, uh, Jarboe is a true. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, you know, however you want to say, the, oh, the American Underground. Well, I consider this a great honor to be called that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so um, you know, she the 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 the, the oracle was, um, you know, some say was she was high off of these fumes, and so you know, this is why the artwork is showing. This is kind of mist around her, and she's receiving these visions. So this came to the whole idea of what of reality versus. Hallucinations and visions, and exploring—you know—do we really know what reality is? So, the, so the title track is exploring that. It's not a song to a man. It's not a song <laughs> to a particular person. It's a song to, you know, perception itself was the idea.
1: Yeah. So,
2: the, at the end of the song, you know, it's like I'm, 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 I'm still here. I'm her, and 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 then there's like this snap of. You know what of the wall of reality versus illusion at the end, where 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 I she draws breath. So that's the whole point of that, and it's 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 a lot. Um, you know, I'd say more. Uh, um, you know, it's 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 there's more to it than maybe just what. Someone might say it's just a a ballad to a man. Someone thought it was a ballad to a man. And I'm like, no, I don't write, <laughs> write ballads to men.
0: <laughs> no, no, quite. That's not,
2: never in my mind.
0: Because <laughs> um, I was just going to say, because the emotional state that you were in, in this, in this album, do you sort of find when you look back at the previous albums that you've done, you know, in the last five, ten years, have you mm-hmm. sort of, do you get into quite a different state of consciousness because listening to it you know and then listening to some of the previous albums there's this one to me felt a little bit more like you know reminded me of things like dead can dance and david bowie's low album and a bit of the copto twins a kind of much more of a classical gothic quality whereas some of the previous Mm -hmm. albums had some of a kind of a jazz kind of elements that kind of crept in and i wondered if if that was just where you were at or whether you were playing with people
1: yeah
2: no, I I do understand. You I mean I I think um, I think right now, it, you know, it, I, I, people that are, you know, writing books or songs or poems or whatever. I, I think that they, you know, you're um, you shift, you know, you change, you know, through just through experience, just through your internal thought process, you know, your internal uh machinations of, of 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 what you go through in your life and so i think right now um um i, I would say what i'm feeling is sort of in my heart you know it's like i'm feeling a uh, like like more um i guess i guess uh i don't have any I, there's no defense defenses and so i think it's like a, 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 um, just things very heartfelt and very sincere and i've I've done that before you know with with words and with with um expressing things that you know are just are are just completely sincere that just it's just so it's basically like operating from a from the place of love, I guess, It's how, how you would say it. Total vulnerability. Yes. And um this is why I did Man of Hate again, which I did on my my first solo album, Thirteen Mask. I redid and I wanted to do it just completely raw, just as if I'm just sitting there. And then I did I overdub different of my voices so that you would get the sense of an ensemble, you know, because it's meant to be a play, it's meant to be a theater piece. Set before a royal court, and that court could be anywhere in the in the in the in the world. I mean, it's just you could say it's literal or metaphor for royalty. And and, and of course, I wrote that song well before Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. And so it so people have interpreted it as as me doing it now as a backlash to that. Well, that's that's a superficial, um, you know. Uh, uh, i don't write like that like like i i i don't do anything that's so topical that it's that it's uh only for a certain time period i mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like a protest songwriter or any of that so, so it's like like even though i um it could be interpreted as that it could also be interpreted as how humankind you know puts itself into a state of of of, of a, here's the result well this you know look at yourselves is the whole point of that of that song And so it's, uh, it's, uh, and I wanted to end it, you know, to really drive home the theater, theater aspect of it. So, you know, the narrator, as she, you know, takes a bow and the audience erupts with applause and, 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 uh, and then, you know, there's sounds throughout the, the piece with the little angel, little cherubs where I'm doing my little cherub voice, you know, they're going love, 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 you know, true love. And you hear them you know you hear the sound of of a of, of, of violent well that's a beheading so you hear that you hear the sound of an axe over and over and over and the end uh even everyone is silenced by the sound of the axe falling and so the axe does swing yes. and so everyone is beheaded at the end and um so so you know the, so in other words you, you you would say oh well this is sweet and lovely and it's reminding me of um I don't know, deck and dance or something. Well, no, because you know, then you end it with man of hate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what gives it the jarbo, um, you know, twist uh, treatment. <laughs> because I'm never going to be. I, I can't do. I can't do something that is flowing in a way that you're just kind of, uh, you know, uh, placid and and, and, and and laying there in the grass. It's not. It's not how I do things. I, I'm always going to have something just not deliberately disturbing but is is going to um kind of reflect upon what is you know what is it what is life like and life is not life has unexpected danger
0: yes absolutely but
2: danger so that's why there's always going to be danger and the, and the new one tulpa is the new one that that tulpa that also has a has a piece that's going to be disturbing in it you know and 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 that's because it's reflecting you know what we all go through, you know we all go through that we all have we all have something disturbing happening, and that's that's what life is
0: yes but does does that mean then with each album that you start and record and the process that you're you personally are hoping to exp- to get somewhere by the end of it to then work on the next thing. I just wonder if you're sort of, these are kind of layers of things that you're, you're discovering about yourself with each experience.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment. I, I would agree with that, that statement. Um, I did, you know, as mine, as mine dissolves, a song begins. I, I uh, that was during the um, United States, um, uh, you know, the the election, you know, before the election. And, and so uh, there's a piece on there called the rally, and and so it's a very disturbing piece. It's but it's it has sound recordings in there that I recorded from going to a political rally, and I manipulated uh, the recording to just get the emotion of what the chanting the people were chanting.
1: Yes.
2: And it's a uh, it's extremely disturbing, you know, and and it reflects upon, you know, group gatherings. You know, shouting hatred, shouting violence, and so this is what I was trying to bring out in that track. And uh, so it was ironic because the whole time this was going on, the, the selection process was going on. I was I was studying, reading different translations of. The spiffy poet Rumi, oh, yes. and so I was reading his poems of about love, and so it was really um uh, a contradiction for me just love and hate and and so that that album was was you know again the the, the duality you know the dichotomy of here I am reading this <laughs> these books of these love poems, which are about divine love, and then um I'm living in a reality where there's groups of people getting together, shouting you know, lock her up. And this is not something that I could, um, I, I, I could resolve. It was, uh, it was, it was like a traumatic. And so I, I decided I would, um, I would do a piece about it, you know, and then kind of put that out there, you know, and, and again, you don't know that it's about, a, it could be about any, any rally. It could be about a rally anywhere in, the, in, in history, but a rally where, where people's emotions are, 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 are um, manipulated and bringing out the worst of mankind, not the best. Yeah. So this was this was um, kind of why I did that. Like I hit like, but it, but again, it's not it's not directly topical to to that person or his particular rally. It it had to do with, with the, the mood in the air. Yes. So
0: just going back a, another couple of years to the 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 album you did, the Men album. When mm-hmm. when, when you brought that together, I mean, was that something that you'd planned for a quite a period of time and, and thought god I'd really like to work with this these different groups of people who've you know had you know a body of work themselves and and see what happens what was the what was the process of that album coming together
2: well, they were friends you know there were people that I knew and um, I was at that time that album and just uh, burden disciple I, I I was focusing on, um, on, at that time, on on the men in my life. That I, had, I had the experience of men as a woman in my life, like from from the beginning, from from childhood, and um, kind of looking at it as as uh, how how those relationships had impacted me, and how they, and, and the mistakes that I had made, and in, in, in my relationships with men and also the, uh, the the devastating impact that those relationships had had on my entire life. And there was a, a period where I went through where I uh, kind of wished that, you know, I could be reborn as, as someone who never had a single relationship with a man in my entire life. And <laughs> that's how bad it got for a while because I realized, you know, just how much energy is taken up with it. Yes. And I don't think that that energy is necessarily a productive one. And so I think that um I... Uh, don't feel i'm that way now i think as you go through life you you get uh, a little uh, uh, stronger but i think for a while i was very emotional and things would um i was rather uh, uh you know naked in terms of my vulnerability like naked in terms of of uh being able to be hurt and being able to um a sense of betrayal or pain and this kind of drove me for a long time you know this and i wrote many songs based on this like the lonely voyeur i mean there's so many songs and um certainly michael and i explored that you know songs that like will fall apart and i mean many songs about love and 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 and, and, and what it can do to you so mm. I, I think that the men album was a way to kind of um like a cathartic thing, you know, like to kind of purge this and explore with different men that I respected, that I happened to know, and and, and it was a long, long thing. I mean, it took years to to get all these people in the same, you know, because everybody has their own schedule, and so it was such a massive collaboration that I I realized from that that my goodness, I mean, it's <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't mount something like that unless you've got years yes you know because they're all busy they're all doing different stuff and so you know you have to wait and wait and wait and wait and um i was very happy with some of the ones of people that i didn't personally know but they were friends of friends and one of those is iva davies in australia and um that i was very happy to work with him he he really did an incredible um incredible job and um i think you know to forget is is a song that i really i really love and so so you know and and, and then other people they were just such good friends that it was kind of fun and and i really loved working with alan sparhawk of low that was that was also um
1: you know yes what so is that
2: positive so so these aren't men that i personally had any relationship with other than
1: yeah you know yeah.
2: friends people that i had met and and so um well, you know a, they were kind of expressing the expressing taking on the role as it were of of men they weren't necessarily it wasn't about them per
1: se
0: yes but i was just going, you know because i was looking at the list and i listened to the one that i loved with the david torn track torn create kiss which i thought was beautiful i I sort of realized I'd sort of interviewed four of those people on the album when I was looking at it and thinking. And, and I, I suppose interesting as you were sort of going back, exploring those kind of relationship with men and sort of your feelings with them and probably an awful lot of um, energy, focus and compromise at times that relationships often bring up. And it's interesting. It's true. I
2: mean, if you look at the words for this is life, I mean, those are pretty harsh. I mean. You know and and that the opening track wasL in the face, and this is life i mean it's 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 actually um you know uh, my god it's it's like a giving advice you know it's it's like you know don't throw yourself away you know and 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 remember that your only real responsibility is to your own self, and so that was you know me um i guess you know trying to give some advice to to uh to anyone listening
0: (laughs) (laughs) does that does that mean then because being an artist and you're you're creating um work all the time does this feel like you're being more true to yourself now and not having to compromise and when you look back at some of your previous work or work in a band you, you sort of Can sometimes cringe thinking god that wasn't really me but i went along with it because i that was what the expected thing to do was and now i you know well
2: yeah sure i mean not 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 you know words that i wrote or or songs that i did lead vocals on but certainly performing other songs but 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 the thing is is now i have a kind of a different perspective on it because because um actually you know if you read um interviews or thoughts from, uh, you know, certain artists that that I had sad respect in terms of their lyrics, you know, and that was, you know, like uh, Bob Dylan or Nick Cave or or even Michael Girard. I I think that, you know, um, it's like you're not really being an actor. I think that a songwriter, you know, uh, isn't necessarily... um, Agreeing or disagreeing with what they're writing about, you know, they're almost like you're channeling something that you're picking up on. And so I think that, uh, you know, when you look at music that way, um, and you don't really feel like you know you as a human being, your personal life is 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 declaring this. You know, one of the songs that used to bother me in Swans was "Alcohol, the Seed." It always bothered me that you know I'd be playing the organ and then the, the, Michael would be singing the lyrics, "I need alcohol," you know, and they're talking about alcohol opening up his creativity. And 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 I I felt bad because I didn't want to be advocating that as as a person who didn't drink at all I I, I felt bad about performing that, and I did confront him about it. And he said, "Well, it was referencing the book John Barleycorn, and so it wasn't this wasn't about him personally." And so then I began to kind of look at it differently. But then, does the audience know that? So I mean, sometimes I feel like, you know. A lot of people in the audience listening to music think that, oh, well, this is, you know, this is this person declaring this, you know, that this is about them.
1: Yes. And it
2: may or may not be about them. So it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of this, this, this tricky kind of thing. But, but I will say going back to your, to your question years ago, I mean, it was, it was uh, the first album I did, um, after, uh, the first end of Swan's, um, anedoniac and 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 the the people that talk to me when i do performances um the audience members and and certain people that write me they they feel really bound to that one and that is the one they feel is really stripped down and raw and and, and really um you know right it to my to my guts you know and I, I think that uh i think that that you know ninety nine nineteen ninety nine i think that that um is certainly um Possibly the most um, gut-wrenching of the personal uh, solo albums that I've done, and that was a direct, you know, commentary to to what it was like for me being in Swans and, and and my relationship with Michael. And so that was about as intimate as you can possibly be. Yes. And 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 the original one that I made, you know, I self-made this. I was a pioneer. I mean, I had my you know, diary, blog, whatever you want to call it, on my homepage, on my website, years before social media and other people were doing that. And I also self-made my own uh, CD years before other people were doing that. And I had a hard time getting that thing made because of the photographs taken by Richard Kern, who is a rather you know well-known New York uh, artist photographer, who's who you know New York girls and you know just done many photographs of. Uh you know one leg the sonic youth use is used and 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 uh lydia lunch and he's he's like a really a renowned figure in new york and he did these very graphic nude photos of me and i and i had Kimber Fowler, a voluptuous horror of Karen black she did all the theatrical makeup on me, so it looks like cuts and gashes and wounds and all this, and it's all it's all fake blood, it's all theater moody blood and so these photos were meant to me as a metaphor of someone ravaged, you know, and, and wounded and bloodied. And so I, ha- I even had a, had an artist, I wanted to wear like this chastity belt, you know, because the mm-hmm. album is anhedoniaque. And that's the word I composed from, created from anhedonia. And that's an addiction to the inability to experience uh, uh, any pleasure at all. You you cannot experience pleasure. You're just addicted to to, to pain and so so I'm wearing a chastity belt and so instead of being demure like giving the power of the key to someone um the chastity belt has rusted iron and, and jagged hooks sticking out of it and so that would be like you know I'm you know if 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 someone were to if, if anyone were to attempt pleasuring uh, pleasuring then of course they'll get they will get chopped to bits <laughs> <laughs> yes. whether it's me or them it's, it's, so, that, so, so then I became rather ferocious, you know, like snarling in the photos, and that changed the dynamic. So then the lyrics were were very extreme, not not by today's standards, my goodness, but and by the, by the standards then they were they were extreme with the with the language. So to get to the point, I wasn't able to find anyone to to uh, print this uh, manufacturer the the CD booklet and, 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 and the artwork.
1: Yes. Denied
2: over and over and over again. Can mm. you believe it? I mean, so so finally I had to turn, ironically, to a pornographer to make my artwork and to print my CD booklet.
0: That's <laughs> the, the, incredible. The, the irony of you know,
2: when you, awesome. when, you, when you look at the you know, stuff that's out there today, you know, like the rap music and all this, I mean, it's just like hard to believe that that's how it was.
0: Yes, absolutely. That just that
2: many years ago. So I self-manufacture that, but that thing is 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 really raw and it's really uh, diaristic for sure. So that that would have to be the most um, you know personal. And then people, then when people criticize you for that, including other artists, um, my response to that is: if you, what you'll learn is, the more personal you are, the more people respond to it. The less the less personal you are the less they're going to respond to it. So what's the fear factor here?
0: Mm, absolutely. Well, I mean, slightly different, but I, I still sort of, you know... Um It still affects me when I listen to David Bowie's Black Star album, which is, I know, it's a slightly different conversation, but, I mean, an album that he made knowing that he was dying, you know, it still has things in it which I find quite hard to listen to for various reasons because, you know, there's no ego. There is kind of an inevitability and he must have realised that. So when you recorded that album, you know, there was probably no, very little ego and much more sort of, um, yeah, not desperation but probably... There was nothing being held back because there was no point holding anything back
2: yeah and and, and it was uh I was uh, yeah and and it was done you know and sort of a fever like you know I, like a just, just nothing in the way, you know, just completely um came out like very immediately and and uh flowed you know and and that went that was the time that was um a real Turning point, and I've talked about that many, many times in the past, so I don't you know, need yeah. to go into it. But but yeah. but it, it was a real turning point um, in terms of uh, seeing what you could push through, like what wall you could walk through. What what wall can you push through in terms of pain, in terms of personal, um, uh, you know, identity and pain. Yeah. And one of the problems is when you're young, and it doesn't have anything to do with age, just young in terms of. Uh, being involved in something. So for me, to go from performing in art galleries and little local um, singer-songwriter uh, uh, performances, to to and then choirs and all that, to go from that to moving to a very dangerous neighborhood in those days, the East Village, and um, you know, really the mean streets. I mean, full of gangs and drugs and pushers and just nasty, you know, uh, for me to move up there and then to join with with a ferociously loud band um, was, took a lot of courage,
1: you know, and
2: it took a hell of a lot of courage. I I mean, my life uh, previous to that had been extremely comfortable and, 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 you know, going to, you know, the symphony and you know, buying restaurants and this kind of thing. And I, <laughs> I went up there <laughs> and my experience in New York prior to that visiting many times had been going to the Met, going to Lincoln center, you know, going to Broadway, going to art galleries, art museums. And so, you know, to, to actually go to a place that ca- a cab wouldn't even go, that's how dangerous it was. Um, uh, and then stepping outside of the, the bunker, which is where we called, where we lived and rehearsed, which is no windows and giant steel door, um, you know, every day, hypodermic needles, uh, you know, broken glass, you know, men urinating on the street. I mean, it, it was just it was just unreal. Yes. Yeah. And I got through that. I got through that without ever being mugged. You know, which is pretty amazing, considering everyone else had you know knives held at their throat, et cetera. So, you know, I, I think that my, my my point is that I you know I was being formed in a being, I guess you would say me. I'm from under the uh, protective you know umbrella or whatever of my family and what it was familiar to me, my yes. friends. So I'm in a foreign place and so this so what happens when you're in that place you become in a group you're in the group you know the band you're in the band as it begins its trials and and tribulations you're you're you're, you're out there on stage when you're being pelted when you're being having things thrown at you when people are screaming at you you know (laughs) that's like so you go through all that, and then finally you get to the point where you're able to um, express yourself as a performer, you know, in the band, and then you have your own audience that's gathered around. your part of the stage. So, so basically, you begin to form an identity of "I am." Yes. So what happened to me? It was "I am Jarboe of Swans," and so so there's a certain amount of celebrity involved in that status.
1: Oh God, yes
2: people chasing you down the street and it's kind of <laughs> people selling gifts at you, you know, on the stage. People, and so, so I think, you know, I've analyzed it now that when that ended, there was a tremendous amount of grieving going on for me, you know, because that was what I had. That was like my fam. That was my real family, that identity, that music was my real uh, intimate home. So I think that, um, you know there's a danger, a danger there for for uh, musicians that you know that, that you realize that it's that it's very important to not connect your your identity to the, to what you're doing in that situation because then when that is uh, ended, um, you know, for whatever reason, then you're going to go through what I went through, which was like a post-traumatic stress disorder, and 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 so that's what created the the anhedonic experience, and and um and then of course you know all the other stuff that follows. So I'm, I'm I am uh, I'm healthy healthier now, and 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 I'm uh, uh, very happy with doing my own work, but that took years of of. A, of of uh, you know self analysis and and all that I, I I hope that makes sense to to your listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just briefly, is that, you know, because um, because your childhood, you, your father was quite an extreme character. Because you you was you 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 played organ, didn't you? And you studied opera, and yet he was quite a controlling character as well in your life. And extremely, that...
2: extremely so. Yes.
0: And that, yes. I mean, those formative years, whatever happens when you're in later decades, I mean, we're, we're a little bit old, you know, you, you've got a few more decades. You, your childhood is such a formative period. I mean, if you, if you get a kind of a strange childhood, the rest of your life is going to always come back somehow to that, whereas if it's not, I mean, it's a bit simplistic to say, but your childhood was quite extreme though, wasn't it?
2: Yes, and... uh it was also I reflected on that, whereas in many ways my mother was good cop and dad was bad cop. I mean it's like it's like she was the forgiving and consoling and gentle. And he was um, you know, all about rules and what was right and what was wrong.
0: So was it the case and, that you was it the case that you were often wanting to get um, some sort of recognition from your dad because he would give you kind of, um, one, you know, a lot of attention but then would be quite harsh on you at the same time. So it was a bit like that position of like trying to... Well, I
2: realised, this is true, and I realised when he was still alive, um, I realised that that would never happen because there was nothing that I could do that would get his approval there was nothing I could do. And it didn't matter. And I w- repeatedly would say, you know, well, what you know, exactly do you want me to do? Because everything I was interested in when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, everything I sh- showed an interest in, he would um, dismiss it and, and, and say no. And this included, um, you know, uh, a professional music career, and this, in- this included um all kinds of, of of different activities i wanted to do in my life and they and he would not support it he would not he would always argue and then and, and i couldn't figure out exactly what it what, what did he want you know because in different men that i uh boys you know that i i met he didn't like any of them you know he <laughs> there was no one good enough so it's kind of like you get to the place where you're never going to do anything that they approve of for some reason. And then see, I started to, to become uh, my own person in my teens. I started to be interested in music that was not considered music. I yes. was greatly influenced by what was coming out of England. And I was uh, very influenced by the, you know, the the, 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 you know, the more of the, the heavier kind of uh, rock groups and, and uh, uh, so, I mean, I, and, and then when I heard a lot of things that was happening, you know, and I'm still at home, or I'm still a kid, I, I started hearing this, this what is very extreme sounding to most people's ears because it's new, it's different, you know, and people hadn't heard all this stuff. And and this is when everything changed. This is when I made the, made the, the leap and, and became interested in rock music. And, uh, that was no, that was like, <laughs> that was no. And so then I started dressing the part, you know, as, as all kids do, you know, and, and that was just no. So see, at that point, I think he just sort of turned his back on me. Like thought I was just, I had just, you know, it was a complete failure yeah. because I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't fit the mold of, of what he wanted. And, and at one point he said, he just wanted me to sing in church and to sing for weddings and that would be the only time I would sing and so you know and and then but then the thing was he was not a religious man himself he didn't go to church my mother was devout roman catholic and and uh so i mean i constantly got mixed signals as a kid and i think maybe that was probably really healthy for my brain in terms of being able to be creative <laughs> 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 because it was like total chaos all the time and mother and, the, and and going to mass and all and then uh, and then uh, her family and her people all coming from New Orleans and so you know being exposed to the Mardi Gras and all the street tap dancers and all this kind of stuff that happens on the streets of New Orleans. I mean, this this also was very influential. And then you have and then dad. Uh, the interesting thing about dad was he he was an amazing artist. He could draw and paint and. He had this beautiful singing voice, you know, and, and he was very interested in music and art. And I kind of feel like that's who he really was. He just, it, it was just suppressed.
0: Yes. With the with his, and
2: cr-
0: he, he, I was going to say. Well, he had,
2: he worked his, he worked his way through school. He paid for his own college education. He, after that, he got a master's degree. I mean, he, he really was, you know, educated and, and totally self-made and i think that um he'd had to suppress um art you know as a way to make a living and as a way to survive and and i think that opportunities opened up for him during his life for for the things he thought would would uh be um you know, secure financially. And a lot of, a lot of uh, people were doing that, you know, they were just going for, for, for what would be secure financially with everything that had happened with the war and with, you know, the depression and all this stuff. So I kind of think it makes sense. Um, his own dad had lost everything uh, when, you know, there was a depression. So I think that, I think that um, he was all about that. But his true nature was he was a musician and an artist, so any talent that I I got is I inherited it from him, not yes. from my mother's side.
0: And did you and did you sort of feel really, kind of I don't know about empathetic, but did you feel kind of like um, um, I was going to say, you know, seeing your mother probably in the middle of this relationship, did that feel quite hard at times watching her trying to sort of balance everything while sort of you know. As as sometimes people do when they're in 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 a family dynamic or friendship dynamic, you know, somebody is just trying to make the peace and every and other people aren't that bothered. They can hold their ground. I just wondered if you ever felt kind of sympathy to your mother.
2: Oh, yeah, she was. I mean, the thing was, she was like my, she was my best friend. I mean, she was. She and I were extremely close, and uh, I mean, I think of her almost every day. You know, like, like in fact, I do think of her every day, and I, 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 I have memories flooding my brain like all the time from her. She was an amazing person, and and really um, taught me a lot about um, just this, which is actually a Buddhist uh, idea as well. Which is, you know, you see what has to be done, you do it. In other words, you're not looking for for any kind of um, request or thanks, you just do it. So what that means is, you know, you're at a friend's house, you see a a pile of dishes, you know, you just go in there and you help clean them, you know, you see something that has to be taken out to, to, to rubbish the trash. You take it out there. I mean, you know, in other words, you do, you see what has to be done to help and you do it. So she was like that. And, And, um, I, so I now have raised with that ethic, you know, and so I, I, I'm, I'm always trying to be conscientious and think about other people and and how I can help and what I can do in terms of, you know, like the aforementioned task. It's like it's like she was, she was exemplary in that she simply um, kept it together. She kept the entire household together. Yes. And 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 she had an extreme work ethic, just uh, hard working, and and I think that this. Um, And also another thing that, um, I saw throughout my life was originally she was, when she was young and when they were first married and and dating and all that, she was a career woman. She was a working woman. She was in the FBI and, um, that's how they met. He was also in the FBI. And so they met each other there in Washington, DC. And, um, I think that, um, you Know then she started, you know, having children and all this, and, and 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 so, where she continued to work, um, uh, on her own, uh, she, uh, she also spent a lot of time taking care of us in the house. So, in that way, it was, it was somewhat traditional, but she was untraditional in that she was. She took care of everything, financially, she took care. She was, the, she was basically the boss, like the manager. <laughs> yes. And so that was also inspiring to me, how independent she was, you know.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so going back slightly to your, that mo- moment when you started to listen to those British you know, bands, was it the punk period or the sort of the slightly post-punk and indie world that you started to kind of hear, which was...
2: I embraced. I embraced all of it. I mean, I embraced everything. You know, I mean, I went through I went through uh, psychedelic metal to uh, punk. I, 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 well, before that, no wave, new wave, <laughs> uh, new wave, um, uh, uh, punk. Um, uh, and then I mean, every, all the all the different sounds, you know, that were coming out. And and this was sort of informing um, informing me, I guess I listened to to all of it, you know, and I, and and then of course uh, right right um uh, before i joined swans it was uh, i was also listening to s p k and you know throbbing gristle and and you know the and and, and you know the more experimental um uh, uh, uh music that was coming out of, of of england and you know specifically london i guess so i mean, so i think that i think that um you know it all went into the mix in terms of what that does is, why it's good to listen to a whole bunch of different styles is it opens expands your your vocabulary. So when you open the portal to hearing different stuff and 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 giving it a chance and letting it, you know, sink in, as it were, then your vocabulary is expanded, and that makes you a better um, creator, yes. that a better producer. So this is why I really think it's important to to listen to have a diverse. Um, you know, diverse listening uh, experience. You know, so so I would listen to say, you know, Bob Dylan, for example. But then I'll turn around. And I'll listen to the Coltrane. You know, and so and I think it's it's just after a while. You know, you're you're so elastic in the way that you hear, in the way that you're you filter stuff that you you're you're, you're able to enjoy so much more. You know, and, and I think that's really important.
0: Yes, because interesting, I mean, because I've done a lot of interviews with bands and there's a kind of a, a normal narrative. Now, obviously, you know, your band you know, with the Swans was a bit different, but your time with the Swans, you, you, you know, it was three albums. You recorded with them, two quite quickly, and then, well, it was like Children of God and then the Burning World one, wasn't it? So there was definitely quite an energy at that stage within the band, wasn't
2: there? Well, the the first uh tour and the first um albums um well that would be greed holy money time is money the dollar sign records and that was when we were considered the loudest band in the world by the british press and <laughs> and, and those are very interesting days because we were living basically living in london for a, a, an apartment and living. And, and that was really good for me too. I mean, I got to the point where I sort of felt like London was, you know, my other home. I mean, I knew it so well and I felt very relaxed there, like very, very, uh, at ease there. And, and, and so I think that that was also informative for, for me to immerse myself into, into living there. And, 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 but again, you know, we, we were, um, Kind of misinterpreted. The volume was not there just to, for volume. The volume was there to be a dimension in the sound. Having said that, I always put in earplugs, even on stage. I was always wearing earplugs. It got to the point where I was very theatrical with how I put in my earplugs. Only doing so once I got on stage, so because I wanted the people that noticed to say to, to see, oh, so she's putting in earplugs, so we should do the same. Because I didn't want, I didn't, you know, the, the sound was enough to, you know, to make you go deaf. I mean, it was horrible. So, so, <laughs> so, so I think. That, but again, that was considered part of the of the dimension. In the same way that today, Sun, you know, uh, Sun is, is the same way. You know, they, they, um, Stephen O'Malley's project, they uh, have a very, very loud low end, and that that is part of their. Aesthetic. So it's meant to make you rumble inside. It's meant to make your, you know, your intestines jump up and down. It's meant to. And I say that with all respect because I love, I love them. I mean, they're one of my my favorite things to see live. So, 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 the first tour was no singing. It was just me playing slabs of sound on a sampling keyboard, and that was the tour that I learned a lot from as a female because the sexism and brutality was over the top. Now, today, that would be really newsworthy. But in those days, you know, those punkish kind of days, I mean, you know, it was just normal to hit a woman. I mean, it was just normal to kick her down steps. It was just no one even blinked an eye. And so that's the kind of abuse that I went through. But at the time, it just seemed part of that world, you know?
0: Yes. God, that sounds horrendous. <laughs>
2: You know, I mean, and and so, yeah, so that was the early, early period. And then it moved on to, you know, the choral vocals, Children of God. Now, World of Skin, it was originally Skin. Blood Women Roses was the first album. That was my album. And then Shame, Humility, Revenge was Michael's album. Now, these were recorded in in London. And those came before... Blood and Roses came before Children of God. So you can see how I start to kind of um, have an influence in terms of what I can do, my skill set. So melody and singing comes into play. And so by the time Children of God um, was recorded in Cornwall, um, you know, I was quite familiar with singing in these big studios with these big microphones. And, and I was... Um, you know, already a, a, aware of the different tonalities of, of what to do vocally, you know, the wild, the wide range of tonalities
1: yes.
2: and, and voicings and characters. So you go from sounding like a flute on in my garden, breathy as you can possibly be without passing out. And then, um, you go to, you know, the song children of God, which is, you know, I, I that's my music for the, for the title song. And, michael has these these sloganeering words well that was a little little in my mind that was like Hare krishna girls you know like chanting so so i so that was able to explore you know that helped me to explore as did blood woman roses helped me to explore the different um voices i had and different voices i could use yeah so but but but, but yeah the turning point you're right i mean i'm going to say that after great annihilator i'm going to say that that, that, the you know in my opinion, uh, I, I like my version of "Level Terrace Apart," the black version, which is just me and you know me on the organ and some guitar. I think Norman plays the guitar, and that's that's a simple, stripped-down version, you know, very soulful version. Uh, but when it came to the pop version, the MTV video version, that was when uh, things that you know kind of went south in terms of me and some of the other band members. We didn't want to do music like that. Yes. And um, so then that that particular level tears apart, getting all those plays on MTV, that that is what opened the portal to a major label walking in the door. And that was The Burning World. And and I, to this day, don't like The Burning World because um, the singing, uh, you know, I, 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 and, and, and the new songs themselves, I think are quite good. But I didn't like the fact that when a producer comes, I didn't like the the, the fact that it was it was taken out of our hands by the the business people taken out of our hands and I don't like the way it sounds. And I didn't, I didn't like the experience of working on it.
0: Yes, I know it was quite a different vibe and it was quite strange because, because I was a very indie kid, you know, indie pop kid in the sort of um, eighties, you know, I was really obsessed with, you know, the John Peel show and the sort of, the, the sort of I suppose, the, the jingly jangly guitar, you know, bands like the Smiths, I suppose, were very big in my life, and the Go-Betweens and the Triffids and the June Brides. Right. And then, but then became kind of very interesting because then there was the, the ecstasy scene, so there's the dance music, and then you had this kind of other scene coming over from America, which, you know, there was Huskadoo and then there was the Butthole Surfers, Big Black. Right. And then you had the Seattle scene, and then obviously the Swans in there as well. So when you're an English kid, Living in Norwich, it all looks very exotic over there and um, even if it was recorded in the UK. So obviously, you know, the the Swans had that kind of kudos, didn't they? You know, I mean, it was like everything about the band was so super cool and, um, you know, amazing to see. So, yeah, The Burning World was quite a different one because suddenly it was a major label, wasn't it? And and the major producer and it, it had a very different kind of pop sensibility to it.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, that that could just do an entire. <clears throat> I got an essay on the whole experience. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I, yeah, I I don't advise that to anybody. I, I know plenty of you know obviously uh, pop artists and and and, and rap artists uh, only, uh, and, and many of them don't even write their own material, and they're used to that kind of thing. But I think that you know to 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 be. What we were, you know, to, to, that doesn't make any sense. And so I think that um, if you look at, say, what Sonic Youth did, I mean, they maintained <clears throat> to much, much more powerful degree, uh, in my opinion, uh, integrity with their sound when they went on to the big label. And I think that the problem was we were in the neighborhood the first band to be signed by, the major label. Yes. And I think that hindsight is twenty twenty. So hindsight, it would have been better to wait and say no to that offer and, and to wait. And there were many things that I saw that I disagreed with. And I, I remember uh, Norman and Michael had a meeting with <clears throat> John Cale, you know, to be the producer. And and, and, and really, I think it would have been better to wait to have someone like John Cale or, or... I mean, there were many names that would have been appropriate to to be the producer of... of, of if you're going to bring in an outside producer. Um, but I was surprised at the, the one that was chosen. I, I didn't see, upon listening to their past work, that there would be a, 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 a relationship there. And So, I mean, I think it was just all very kind of awkward for me... And when it came to the, the mix, you know, um, you know, we weren't even allowed into the room. And that was not something that I was used to. Yes. So I think that, um, you know, there were just too many names and outside, um, what you call, um, session musicians brought on board. And that, that, I don't see the point in doing that, you know. And so I think that um, just the experience itself wasn't a positive one for me. And, and um, you know, some people uh, love that record. And again, I, I can hear the songs, and, I, and the songs are good. But I, I, I just the whole experience was, was not not anything I ever want to go through again.
0: No, <laughs> quite. not
2: that I will. But I, I don't
1: want to. No, but I, as an artist, <laughs> I, mean, I think
2: it's very important. It's very very important. A group gets you know someone with, with enough money to say we're going to hire this outside. Uh, make sure that you really love that person. Make sure that you really love all their work, all the things that they've done before you work with them and 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 make sure you connect with it so to say that the producer of brain World is a legend and has done incredible albums but had not done anything like us, so it doesn't make any it it just didn't it didn't it just seemed a little too um you know fish out of water for
0: me. Yes. Well, Well, it's interesting because I was talking to a guitarist who had worked with um, Pete Murphy from um, Bauhaus on his solo work and they called themselves The Hundred Men. I think they did three albums and it was fantastic. They had the same producer. They had a really good time. They had a good band and then they decided to get a different producer and immediately it was like, Oh dear, this isn't going to work. And he said it. It wasn't a good experience. But he, but he did say that they toured the album, and by the end he realised if they could record the album after the tour, they would have. That would have been brilliant. But the experience they had yeah. was was just not good from day one. And and you could tell there was yeah. kind of they were just not happy. You know, it was like this is the last album we'll be doing with Pete. So. Um, yeah,
1: and, and, you know, if you
2: look at if you look at certain actors and actresses, right, or directors, let's go to a lot of times they'll use the same actors and actresses in there or, or cinematographers, whatever, in their films. And that's because, you know, there is a, a, a an understanding there, you know, how to, you know, express that person's vision, quote unquote, you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like. You know, this is a success story. You know, I mean, look at the Beatles and George Martin. I mean, come on, it's just like there's 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 a certain integrity, you know, that you can maintain if you're you're working with the same, you know, the the, the crew that you're that you're used to, to working with, and so you can maintain that kind of the sound. Because yeah, a producer and uh, and certainly um, session people that and and most definitely the person that mixes. My God, I spend months mixing a song that's with with illusory that thing was finished and i remixed and remixed i heard it on a million different stereo systems i mean i just kept on heard it in the car heard it in friends heard everywhere (laughs) and and so the mixing is is you can change the entire feel that's that's mixing is an art form mixing is the hardest part yes so if, if you're not even in the room you know, when someone is mixing and that's, no,
0: that's not, that's not going to happen. Not with me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, I mean, I'm going to slightly jump, but with um with your website, you've got paintings that remind me very much of Mark uh, Rothko and and some of his textures. I mean, does does kind of the visual art world also kind of, is that also part that, you know, that comes into your music when you're trying to make sound and, and sort of you know, sonic soundscapes and things like that.
2: Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I have, you know, a manuscript, a prose that is, it became, you know, I used it as as the, the, the lyrics for, for Black Mouth, my other project. And so the new Black Mouth album has, has the, the Feast manuscript in it. I performed Feast at the Necromonicon, which is an HP Lovecraft literary festival. I did that last summer. I mean I do the the prose writing and then I also do um uh the paintings and and the, the paintings um took off. I mean it was interesting how many people were interested in these paintings and and um it kinda got out of control when I started painting the soundtracks for the blind uh box set. And that was something I started just as a kind of a simple project. And then it turned into these elaborate works of art that would take as long as a month to do the entire box with many, many layers of paints that I was mixing myself with Italian pigments and and glazes that I was putting essential oils into and turmeric and gold dust. And I mean, it, it turned into this massive thing where it was almost burying me. I mean, it like, <laughs> like, like, like the, when this was like, there was a, see, now these things are out of print. Yes. So that's why now I offer to people, have you already bought this thing? Just send me the empty box and I'll do it. Uh, but for me to do these now, people want the records and I myself, I'm going to have to go to a reseller. You know, I myself, I'm going to have to fork up as much as 400 US dollars to buy it. So it's like it's it's become out of control. And but when when they were readily available and I was able to buy them, um, you know, in bulk from um, from Young God Records, Michael's record label, when I was able to buy them at at a, a um, you know like a pr- price a shop would would pay for them, and repaint them, the, then I, the prices were were pretty, were way too low. I mean, for the work I was doing, I was just basically it was a labor of love. And and um it was insane. I mean my entire house was full of <laughs> 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 makeshift tables and cloth draped all over everything, and painting and my hands turned into where I couldn't even hardly use them. They were so overworked. Yes. And and just cracked and dry and I was really killed myself on, on, on those for a while. So, so yeah, so that took off. And then the energy paintings, which was this whole idea of transferring, you know, energy from my hand on a canvas and, and then glazing that, that also takes a while, but the, those started taking off. So, and then there've been a few commissions of just the actual large scale paintings. And that's, you know, that's, and the prize depends on you know how big do you want this thing <laughs> so I mean so yeah so, so that's that just kind of you know evolved, and um it is very satisfying to work in a in a visual um, medium it's very satisfying,
0: yes, yeah, so I just wonder if that kind of also complimented at times if you ever had felt a bit stuck doing the music, you thought, actually, I'll just move over to the art and then I'll come back to the music and and
2: yeah, I I never thought about it, but I'm I'm sure you're right. I, I you know I think that anything like I also, um, you know, several times a week I also do at least you know 25 miles on the bike and so I mean I think that I think that um, you know any kind of thing exercise, uh, maybe going for a walk, any anything that you do can can refresh, revive your something else that you're working on, and you have to when at least I have to. You're working on audio. You have to get away from it because your ears actually get tired, and your ears can't perceive. So you leave it alone. This is why mixes take so long for me, anyway. You come back to it and you go, "Oh, ooh, that's horrible. How did I miss that? <laughs> Please <laughs> change that."
1: Yeah. See,
2: and that's why it takes so long because your you know you, your ears have to be. And then now I've taken to the new one. I've taken to sending mixes to a trusted friend in Boston, you know, like just, just give me a review, you know? And so it's good to get, you know, a trusted, um, you know, well, this version that's, you know, isn't working. This is better. So, so that's helping too, just to have a fresh set of ears. It's this person that you just, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to say something just to make you feel good. So that, that, that helps. And then, um, but yeah, you know. So any so yes, to answer yes, anything that you do that's different is going to refresh the other thing.
0: Yeah, cuz it's um because there's a kind of time in life and and it often takes a few moments to sort of completely step away either from a relationship or a partnership or a, a sort of creative endeavor. So when you when you sort of stepped away from the swans, did it feel like this was a definite moment? Had you tried to step away before? the final time
2: well the, you know someone asked me um uh, a month ago i did, was doing a new they were like well, why did you do all these solo albums while you were in swans and i was like well thank god i did because you have to you know i mean i was always working on my own music rehearsal in Swans would stop all those guys would go out quite a few of them would go out to you know to drink all night I would stay in like goody, you know, little little teetotaller goody tissues, boring me. <laughs> I would <laughs> stay inside and start p- composing and working on my Casio and um, you know developing my own songs. So I was always doing you know my own my own stuff. So. So the first thing out of the gate, you know, went, 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 solo wise, even after doing, you know, I did Sacrificial Cake, I did Beautiful People Limited, I did Thirteen Masks, um, I did I don't know how many collaborations with people. So so then, um, you know, I did Anadoniac right when when Swans ended. Immediately after I worked on Anadoniac, and and so then I just started doing them. Um, You know, at least once a year, you know, just constantly working, constantly working. And then I decided um, when I finally got all my work back from record labels, which took seven years, Mm -hmm. had all the rights reversed to me. um, I then decided, um, you know, I would experiment with just doing uh, digital either download or streaming. And for the first time in my life, I started earning money. And I was like, wow, you know, like (laughs) struggling to see what record labels are good for. I mean, here's the thing. They're good for getting you publicity. They're good for getting you interviews and planting reviews. And if you're going to go on tour, they're wonderful for that, because you have merchandise to sell after the show, and that merchandise can help put gas in the tank. I mean, it, it helps you to, on the road. So that's why it's very important, if you love a band, to buy something
1: yes. at their
2: concert, because that money is going to help them to continue to be on the road. And people people may not understand how expensive it is to tour. You have to pay highway fees. and. You have to pay all kinds of money to tour, so it's <laughs> it's, it's an expensive enterprise.
0: Yes, absolutely. So anyway, so,
2: so so I would say to people, you know, yeah, if you're going to tour, for sure get your get physical merchandise, and then if you have a, a company, then they could help hire a publicist to promote, you know. Your tour and your your record, and and of course, all that was done for illusory, and then of course it didn't happen because of the
1: virus.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So 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 coming to the current time, you've got more material and an album that's kind of due out, hopefully in the next or well, whenever we can we can sort of think about it, and and hopefully a tour as well in the next twenty.
2: Oh yeah, for sure, um, for sure. I think the agent, the booking agency, is. Being a bit optimistic. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's already an, another one is already uh, tentatively confirmed. But but the thing is, is that we don't know what's going to happen. You know, and and uh, so it's going to be right now. Uh, last time I looked, uh, U.S. citizens were banned from even going into the EU. So I mean, it's just like well, <laughs> you can't exactly tour if you can't even enter the country. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: this is and true. of course,
2: I haven't had it. And I don't know anyone that's had it, but uh, but of course I am sheltering in place and wearing a mask when I have to go out, and I mean I'm doing everything correctly. I'm certainly not breaking any any uh, uh, social distancing barriers. I I have too much to to lose. I mean I can't possibly hurt damage my lungs. So yes. the thing is, is that um I've been very healthy and, and and taking lots of supplements and vitamins and exercising and um but yeah I mean. Not being able to go see a play, because I love to see theatre. Not being able to go see a dance performance, because I love seeing dance performances. I mean, that's been, you know, that's been pretty brutal on me, because I, I love to go out and see, you know, cultural yes. events. I mean, that's my life. And so to so, so not be able to see any of that has been a new thing for me.
0: Yes, absolutely. It is very strange. It's quite surreal. So, look, if you could... um If it was like something that you could say to an 18 year old self, as an example, you know, something that you've learned over the decades that you thought, actually, that's kind of, I didn't know that when I was 18. But my God, that would have been such a good thing to have been told. What what would you kind of just kind of whisper in someone's ear just to um, give them some help in life?
2: Um, Oh, it's so corny.
0: I know, um, it is so corny. <laughs> no,
2: no, no, I mean, what I would say is so corny.
0: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I would
2: say, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I would say stay in school and get as much education as you possibly can. And don't don't let anything to take you away from that. I would say don't get involved with anybody. Your your education and your skill set to survive in life and, and prosper in life is more important than any Boy or girl, yes, that's what I would say,
0: but it's hard when you're eighteen, you do fall in love quick, don't you?
2: It's horrible, yeah, and I think that it's the hormonal uh uh flood of hormones, and I think that this is us being primitive, you know we're still quite primitive and 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 so, in terms of our evolution, so I think that um, without that biological urge, I think that people would be able to and I don't think everybody has it quite so bad. Because there's plenty of people that just plow straight ahead and get PhDs, you know, and they go on to be on television talking about their book. I mean, they <laughs> they they are able to, to just advance solely on, you know, their agenda of, of being the best they can be. Yes. And so if you can do that and the other, I, I, I salute thee. Yes. You know I don't think everybody can do that. I don't think every woman in the world can have an incredible career in education and also a family. I don't think every woman can do that, so I think that I think that um you know my advice to myself at eighteen was would be focus on school no one nothing else. go as far as you possibly can with your school yes. and then the portals will open and then another thing I would say is. Don't be afraid of your father. Uh, You want to uh, be a performing uh, musician. um, Try it. Just go. And I think that, um, you know, because really when you look at it, it it took, you know, I mean, bless him, you know, it took his death for me to move to New York. And so I think that, um, you know, there's something to be noticed about that.
0: Yes. It is... um... Without sounding corny, as well, I mean, it is tough being a woman, actually, isn't it? Because there is the kind of the thing about being a certain age to have children, and then the mm-hmm. expectations of being a mother, the expectations of being a girlfriend, and you know, then the later the years, then the, the menopause, and then everything else that goes with it. So, yeah, it is. Um,
2: it's true, you know, and in the and in the south, you know, in, in the south, and I don't know, maybe it's everywhere, but I can only speak in in the southern United States. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on on uh on when girls females to have have a family and and you know and, and i think that um if you don't it, it's considered rather odd or people will talk about it like oh isn't it horrible that you know she she got engaged and found the right man and got married but now she's 46 and she can't have any children it's like <laughs> Yes. Why are we talking about this? Okay, maybe, what's wrong with that? So oh, it's like, yeah. but this is the kind of thing I'll hear and I have to kind of swallow hard, like.
0: <laughs> this is true.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I won't say anything to get into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I know, it's true. But you
2: know, I have, I have uh, 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 hundreds of them. They're all songs. Yes. So it just depends on what you want to call your children.
0: Absolutely. God well look this has been amazing well thank you and I I have to say I've really loved spending the last three days going through your um, solo work it's been fantastic and it's great you know just like hearing different moods and different moments and like I said that some of it is quite I suppose quite sonic and then a bit of it a bit jazzy and then a bit of it a bit more sort of um, electronic and it's just you know it's kind of fascinating hearing an artist going through different sort of periods of their life. Well, thank you very much, David. I really enjoy talking with you. Yes. And that was me in conversation with Jarbo talking about her new album, Illusory, that's just come out and is available from all good all good uh, record shops and probably online as well. And, uh, yes, she has got a good website as well. So if you go to com, it's all there. There's no dots or dashes, but it's just thelivinjarbo.com. And uh, you'll, you'll find out more about her work and uh, other such other activities. Anyway, this has been David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do at C86 Show. And also all these uh, interviews have been archived on Facebook. No, it hasn't. That's a lie. <laughs> archived on Spotify, um, iTunes and Podbean. There you go. I got there in the end. Anyway, have a great week.